Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Welcome back to another episode of Event Brew, um, the unofficial uh, fraternity and sorority of the event and hospitality (laughs) uh, community. I pledge. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> getting initiated right now that yeah that's what i feel on? like i go through i'm going through rush as you know the newest member of the organization so um we've got uh, a full house today uh first up this is my first week uh joining with miss tui from hot the hot companies down in texas i know tui you're in california but um tui how are you and what are you drinking today Ooh, I like this this different format. Well, hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Dustin, you are my second favorite D co-host with a name that starts with a D. Um, just saying. He'll it's He's it's still always with great. Us? We always love bantering on those who don't who don't show up. And I am drinking my dirty oat milk chai latte from my late lunch that I had a couple hours ago. And it's all the ice have has melted so that's what i'm enjoying oh, right that's now worse. that's why you never put ice in it don't ever put ice in it i know but i didn't want hot because i'm in la it's like it's a hot day for us out here it's like 75 i am firmly a hot coffee always and i'm in north carolina it's currently 100 degrees it's like satan's armpit down here but i can't do iced coffee i just mm. what I can't All right, we'll it. have to maybe change your mind on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe with time. <laughs> but I know coffee is an acquired taste, so maybe the the iced part would be too. Um, yes, I prefer iced coffee. I prefer oh. not coffee. Nick Nick Borelli, are you drinking iced coffee today? What are you drinking? Like? I have not. I had iced coffee yesterday when I was at. Uh, there's a city in uh, Minneapolis called Little Canada. It's an actual city named Little Canada, mm-hmm. and I was there for their festival Canada Days. Where a city in the United States named after Canada celebrates Canada. And I was just like, I, I want to see all that. And that I had iced coffee weird. while I was there. Uh, but now I'm having a Glacier Cherry Gatorade Zero, which is, you know, the opposite of what everyone else is drinking as far as complicated chemical concoctions. Mm-hmm. I, I hope there's... you have um, stock in Gatorade because I feel like you. I've been on a Gatorade pick lately. Uh, there was a, there was a good couple of years where it was uh, pretty pretty high test energy drinks, and then it kind of was a few at least a year of Mountain Dew, and I seem like I'm in my Gatorade phase now. I mean, I still have seven different flavors of Mountain Dew in my refrigerator, which is admittedly. Not all of them. Uh, Fun fact. You definitely should own stock in Gatorade because Gatorade is owned by PepsiCo. PepsiCo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who also makes one of Nick's favorite beverages. I'm Mountain a, lo- I'm a loyal, loyal Pepsi person, apparently. I guess I don't buy any <laughs> Coke products. I bought the I just... uh, Marshmallow Coke c- collab drink recently that is watermelon, strawberry, and Coke mixed together. 
Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I don't know if I'm more surprised that you have seven flavors of Mountain Dew in your fridge or that you have that and you still have all of your teeth intact. So yeah, I've never had a, never had a cavity weirdly. Uh, wow. There's uh, like, I've seen this documentary of like this town in Appalachia where the kids like drink binge Mountain Dew from a young age. And by the time they graduate high school, they're all toothless and getting dentures. I don't remember what it was. This was years ago, but hmm. riveting watch, riveting. Yeah, that's uh, the, the very my, the start of a nice horror movie. <laughs> a Mountain Dew themed horror movie. Well, Will Curran, bring us home. What are you drinking? Are you the, drinking the hills have, the hills have eyes. They don't have teeth. <laughs> I don't. That's definitely not for hills have eyes. So I went to a place called Bobamazing. Bobamazing. Oh, I think that's how you guess. say their name. Yeah. And uh, I'm drinking a strawberry milk tea, which is like milk tea, strawberry, and I think butterfly pea tea in it. What was the um, last thing? Butterfly? Uh, butterfly pea. You ever heard of butterfly pea tea? Oh, way over my head. Um, butterfly pea tea, trash. you put it you put it in and it turns the tea purple. Oh. So it's like very famous. You'll see it. Like a lot of my cereals. I got it. Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Um, except for pro it's naturally occurring. <laughs> Ooh, you lost me. Uh, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's too sugary for me, though, for sure. So um, I'm going to uh, – next week I'll be back to regular chais probably. <laughs> wow. Super complicated. If you can't get it in the gas station, I have no interest. It tastes like uh, – it tastes like um, – What's the name of Nesquik? It tastes like strawberry Nesquik, mm -hmm. but with uh, like a weird kind of aftertaste. Cough so drop aftertaste. It tastes aftertaste. Like, child, like a 90s childhood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, I have not had Nesquik. I couldn't tell you the last time I've had Nesquik. There is, what? I think, a Vice article that just came out recently that was like, adults who drink milk, are you okay? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> that was Will season one of MN Brew for sure. Like, Why are you still drinking milk? Just like, milk? And they're saying like milk period or milk like with your like coffee? No, period. just milk. Like period. period. Like when I when I like used to drink chocolate milk probably like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. That was that was for you. I assume okay. it's just some sort of like just healthy lactation fetish, you know, just like <laughs> no big deal, no kink shaming. That's just what you're into, yeah, man. Don't, right. don't judge me. I like my chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Hey, we all, we, everyone's Everyone got something. Well, well, cheers. Um, I do not have milk. I have um <laughs> I've got some wine. Um I am obsessed with this wine. It's called Voga. Mm -hmm. And um, I've never made the bridge over to red wine. I'm very much a white wine girl, but um, usually Riesling is too sweet. Chardonnay mm. and all that's too dry. So if they have a Moscato, that's like right in the middle. It's not too sweet, not too dry. Mm. You know, it feels like Goldilocks. It's just right. <laughs> but um yeah, it's Voga, and if you find it in stores, because not all stores carry it, it's very hard to find. It has the same shape as a Voss water bottle. Water oh, cool. bottle. So I'm assuming that there's probably the same distributor or something because the bottles look identical. Probably the same font on the logo. But yes, Voga Moscato, very very tasty. Good. All right, so on the docket today, we've got. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how this conversation goes. Um, so Nick found this lovely article from PCMA, just kind of broaching this topic of um, using our our buying power um, to kind of support the causes that we believe in or 
boycott the things that we don't believe in. So the question of the day is, should planners boycott venues, whether it's for personal or for organizational uh, uh, beliefs and value systems? It feels like it's like almost like the it's the 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 B two B version of I will pick a product based on what I their beliefs are like uh, their their the way they like their yeah like that sort of thing like oh I love Patagonia because they're about saving the earth and you know all that sort of stuff um, value based buying yeah value based buying like it feels like that but like on a B two B scale so I'm wondering if it's also a big reason why we're seeing more of this is because you know that's a as a, a the so-called millennial here like uh, a millennial here i should say i wonder if it's because like millennials very much believe in value-based buying that that that's a starting to happen in a lot of ways but as as somebody who has uh you know lived in arizona and was felt the effects of sb 1070 um passing and everyone boycotting coming to arizona i got to see very little bands growing up because many of them decided that they were not going to come and perform in arizona to boycott things so i thought that was just an interesting fact on that might relate to my opinion around this in some ways so um yeah I, I do you want me to kick it off with the the hard yes or no? Well, I want to know has it affected you business wise at all? Because I think that's definitely oh. an angle where when you have different, especially if people are boycotting cities and locations mm -hmm. and not necessarily like a certain hotel or property. Yeah, you know how that affects like the local economy of the event industry and the hospitality industry there. Um, well, now Endless is national, so I don't feel it as much. We're actually like yeah, helping pick cities and having conversations around that sort of stuff um, in some ways. But at, like, you know, at, for example, if I use the SB 1070 thing as a case, that happened so early on in my career. You know, like I was a DJ company, like when that was happening, you know, I was ba like barely becoming a production company. So yeah, it probably sucked. You know, I bet you there was a bunch of large bands that probably didn't come in. So therefore we didn't get the production, you know, the dollars kind of coming in, but you know, there were other events that were going on. So like it didn't, I, I try to like not think about it in that way where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is going to change my business. So like, I think in a lot of ways, like anybody who is going to say like oh my gosh this one group or this one like this whatever it may be like i don't like to think in that like la that lack of locus of control like i like to think like okay well yeah that's just not gonna it's gonna happen that way um in sort of way but granted like i don't know if at that stage where because sb 10, 10 1070 was very very controversial because it was only in arizona and it was uh, you know, only um, at that specific time. Like, I'm wondering if that also had a different effect versus like what's happening now is there's a lot of boycotts happening, but it's because lots of states have very similar beliefs. So it's like almost boycotting multiple places um, on the list as well. Just uh. for clarification purposes, well, can you identify what that law specifically oh, was addressing? Man, I don't know if I can do it without putting my opinion on it. Um, <laughs> can you just uh, state the facts very yeah, I, monotone? I will, I will try to. Um, basically, the law is that any police officer can pull you over and demand you to see documents to prove that you are a US, US citizen or something like that. So um, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, like in Indiana Jones, where they like say, like, show me your papers. Yeah, like, show me your papers, except for like, cool. you literally could be like walking down. I don't, I think it was cars primarily, but like basically a police officer could stop you and say, you know, show me your birth certificate. And like, I don't know about you, I don't care coming, about my birth certificate. Coming right up. You know, so, and obviously, um, 
I guess I'll, I'll say it now because I think it's very obvious and so far removed from it. Is it was obviously targeting a very specific type of person that lived in Arizona who, you know, they were judging you based on the way you looked, um, which is obviously really terrible. So. Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to put my opinion on podcast? I mean, it's, I mean, it's your it's show. It's a vent room. <laughs> it's a vent room. That's so, all but, yeah. we do is share our opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Check with check with endless events. There are yeah, sponsor. I'll t- you know how do they feel about? It? <laughs> Maybe trying to find out like who should be wearing sunscreen. You know, like, hey, you over Def- there. Def- definitely, you don't need to wear sunscreen. sunscreen. But let me see your ID as long as I'm talking to you. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that that was got, kind of going on. But like, I think uh, to just kind of move it back towards the larger. I love the title of this, this, uh, but this, this article at PCMA did, which is like, we encourage dialogues, not boycotts. Like having conversations around it in some ways, because I think in a lot of ways too. Like, I don't know. Like I, again, locus of control. Like, does my group not showing up really make an impact in things changing? You know, like the larger, bigger issues that are going on that need to be fixed? Who, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's economic pressure. I mean, it's the kind of thing that convention and visitor bureaus, which are a part of the, the city, uh, leadership woo, uh, travel and tourism is one of the most important elements of what states try to cultivate a, um, you know, an experience around. So, yeah, uh, I, I just, it's interesting. So like we're, we're in the, we're in the business of bringing people together uh, and we're in the business of networking and dialogue and, and the, I, the sharing of ideas. Um, so there's that, right? So um, I think in principle and in spirit, I can see where they're coming from. Uh, in addition to the other thing I could see they're coming from, which is to make sure that all of their stakeholders are, whole uh because boycotts are bad for business so like let's put their interests i guess out there but like let's say we don't have those interests so we can speak way more freely than they do um i see where they're coming from from a from a high standpoint i also understand like spending money where uh you think it does the most good and uh where uh where you want to support organ or communities that are um you know are sharing your values i guess as an organizer i don't think it's about your politics it's about your communities and i would be transparent i think that's the part that you don't oh. see organizations doing necessarily is is actually involved like they make decisions like this is what this is the biggest sin i think planners have full stop is that they make the decisions based on their feelings of what they think is best for uh, their community, as opposed to giving their community a voice and stake in it. Um, yeah, that's so, that's where they're smart. Yeah, yeah. So point. I would pull uh, a, a organization. I'll give you an example. PCMA was supposed to have an event in, in Houston. Uh, there was an outgoing leader who uh, set that up, and then after that person left, the new leader, who's the leader now, so I mean, do the math. Uh, 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 they, well, they moved it to Pittsburgh quickly because of bathroom laws. Uh, and then there was a quickie s- change all of a sudden to a, a, a smaller, yeah, a smaller <laughs> market uh, that was uh, an outgoing aspect of a, a new leadership. When the new leadership came in, they were like, yeah, that doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever personally. So let's go back to Houston because they are paying the bills. So that's a leader uh, on one side and a leader on the other side making decisions for the whole. Um, 
which one was right, you know, I mean, clearly this leadership of PCMA is not interested in uh, politics <laughs> or <laughs> voting with your wallet uh, in that instance, uh, which I know specifically about. I'm not even know if I'm supposed to, but I do. And uh, I mean, it's not like this was a transparent thing that happened, but it did. Uh, so that organization is definitely making decisions for the whole based around currently uh, about what what leadership believes. And uh, previously it did the opposite of that. Neither one of those things were uh, transparent nor bringing in the community. And I think that's not great. You know, so if it were me, I'd feel much better sleeping at night knowing that I was doing the will of the people uh, that I served than doing the thing that I thought was best. Now, you could make an argument that leadership is, you know, the people that put in leadership positions. It's not like you're voting for them. So, I mean, it's difficult, I guess, as members you are. But I don't know. You know, it's easy enough to bring these things out there, especially when these people also plan their own conferences themselves. So, like, mm -hmm. you want these, you know, these people who have a lot of stake in understanding how the sausage is made and how these decisions are made within their own organizations. That one especially, I would say, let's bring every, everyone in to voice it and you know have some kind of uh you, you know you're about discussions well where's the public discussion within the organization to make these type of decision in that instance uh but outside of that very specific thing that kind of caused all this stuff and I, the irony i think that this is the organization that's bringing this up uh is the fact that um that's the biggest problem if if your organization feels that this is a distraction or goes against what you're about like for instance if you are a I don't know, uh, uh, a medical organization and you're saying you don't want to have your event in Utah because of how laws are currently are in place around very specific medical issues, then I would say, yeah, it would be kind of really flies in the face of the point of your organization or some women's organization or something like that. But if it's a bunch of like, I don't know, it's an anime conference in Utah, maybe, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's apolitical because the alignment of the point of that community and what it's about isn't completely judicial to that, right? Like maybe it's, it's not something that would be disruptive to the organizing principle of the event. Uh, that's a big, that's a big one for me. Like if it, if it doesn't, like if you're a progressive organization around uh, liberal, whatever, and you're considering being at the at Trump hotel, I would say mm, probably not in your best interest, probably a distraction probably doesn't align with your values. Uh, well, that's like if, less a boycott and more like a you just active decision like a boycott. What's the like, difference? Like uh, not not doing business within that city or a boycott. I mean, what does a boycott mean? In, in I think a boycott means that like all of a sudden they've done an action that then makes you not do it. Whereas like for example, if you're like a progressive political organization, you probably don't agree with Trump on a fundamental basis. Just like I wouldn't have, uh, you know, when I was primarily doing production in AV, I probably wouldn't have ever hosted an event at PSAV's offices, right? Yeah. Like I'm not boycotting PSAV; they're just a competitor or something like that. Like I think that's a totally. I think when you make a Public, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that point. Maybe the difference between a boycott and making a decision to go one way or the other is you stating uh, uh, externally the decision that you made uh, already um, it, that was one based in principle and is ongoing until something changes. Like it's an ultimatum and it's external. Maybe. Mm. Oh, Tui's doing research. Tui's doing research. With what's a, what's two, the definition a of a boycott? I have a mic in one hand and I was... <laughs> And Google in the other. Googling Great. definition of boycott. So what? As a as a verb, it's 
withdraw from commercial or social relations with a country, organization, a person as a punishment or protest. And as a noun, it's a punitive ban that forbids relations with certain groups, uh, corporations with a policy or the handling of goods. Okay. So basically it's both. <laughs> it's To me, I think as an event professional, you look at those two definitions. It's a post contract that would be a withdrawal you've already got you know a business that you are confirming with a cbb a hotel a city um and then pre would be a ban meaning you haven't even gotten to the contracting stage you just know you're not going to go to certain locations because their you know government uh policies don't fly with what your organization's missions and objectives are. And I do agree, Nick, that if it's the the organizations, you know, for example, in the light of what's going on right now in the country, if you are an abortion rights group, you probably don't want to have um, a conference in any of the states that had trigger laws. That's just going to go kind of against the mission and objectives of your group. But on the flip side, if you're a super conservative group that was you know, kind of lobbying for these things to happen, why would you, you know, they would probably want to keep their event there, whether you as the planner agree with that or not. Um, mm. So I think it's the difference between, I think to me, that's the, the key issue is, is it part of your, like, your organization's missions, objectives, um, what you're all about, like your core values, or is it just, you know, the people that are in, in power, to your point, Nick, like, you know, your, your leaders, your event team, you have values that you espouse and it kind of turns your stomach to think of doing business somewhere that has those beliefs. Well, suck it up. We have to suck up a lot of things that we don't want to do, work with people we don't like. Um, and I think that's just a part and parcel of the job, you know, but um, Tui, I'd love to hear your take because since you work on behalf of clients, you know, similar to Will, are you finding anyone coming to you with that question of, hey, these locations don't fit our mission and values, or we're not happy with the way government's going in these locations? Can we have conversations what it would look like to withdraw? Have you had any of that? Yeah. So first off, for the record, I would like to say Will and I have nothing in similarity. He drinks (laughs) milk as an adult and... <laughs> and yes, as a so third good. party party, uh, you know, like event corporate event planner, I would agree with you and um, parts of Nick and well, I'm not gonna lie, I was posting on Instagram because I was so excited. Deanna was <laughs> involved, so I did not hear what you said. But it was, I would it say, was br- brilliant. It was what's brilliant. important uh, regard to both of those things um, is it's not the planner's morals and values and what she or he believes or mm-hmm. they believe in. It's the companies. And so you need more than ever. I, when I'm designing, I'm always looking at, okay, what is important to them? What are their, where, where do they stand in all of this? Is this, even with supplier partners, is this a good fit? And I feel like we have a podcast episode about this. Well, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's more about. Um, aligning with certain brand brands. Oh and yeah, sure it's, it's we did like does pol- politics influence your like your? Let me see if I find the exact title of what it's called. But it's like the title is like, do, like how much should you get politics involved with your planning of your events? Yeah, yeah, some, something along that line. And so, 
and I say company because the planner could have something a uh, different thought processes and and beliefs than the stakeholder, than the CEO, than the majority of the the audience slash the employees or whoever the guests are coming to it. So it needs to be a what as the entity of this company, what do we believe in? Is this and I'm actually at first, I was like, no, if you want to boycott, like, that's the whole point is for things to be uncom uncomfortable or inconvenience or, you know, losing potential money. That's how change is going to be that's going to come about because you see it. That's why people do protest is because they want that change sooner than later. And they've tried everything by being nice, by having, you know, those conversations, being open to having more conversations. But I wouldn't say if you want to boycott a destination a venue as a company then i say go about doing it because who's got time for dialogue you can be open-minded and if you know they reach out but when i think about okay i'm going to reach out to x amount of destinations and these are the ones i'm not going to select because it doesn't align with our value this company's values do like do i really want to make time slash can i really make time to to listen to those the opinion you know because of course you mm. they they want that revenue but unfortunately it just it goes back to feeling harmonious and in all the partnerships in which you go about doing it and i what nick said also it's p pcma that's writing an article like this so it's like <laughs> us writing one about like I hey mean, let's <laughs> yeah exactly so casting all... more dialogue Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'll, I'll talk, add on to what you're talking about too, like about the, the di who has time for dialogue. My question would be to anybody out here, anybody is like, do you actively tell people you're boycotting them? Like, so for example, let's say um, sure. you're deciding, well, let's use Arizona. You're deciding you're not gonna do your event in Arizona. Do you hit up the Arizona CFB and say, our organization has actively chosen, we are not doing events here because of this policy that you've, no you know what happens some you do. just kind of just end up not bidding put sending them the bid or you know like and or these you know it maybe once they send you a really compelling bid that's way lower price than everybody else and has everything you need to then you're like oh i have to explain why we didn't give it to you but i bet you you just never entertain so like these people are getting boycotted sometimes i don't think do they just kind of end up at the end of the year being like our revenue was down this year wonder why you know, like, I feel like that's what ends up happening more so than there being any sort of dog. So almost like this is a, a question of like, there needs to be dialogue, period, and boycotts are okay. But like, I just feel like no one's going to be like, no one's hitting up the Texas CVB and they're like, yeah, no, not this year. You guys screwed up when it comes to it. Like, they're probably just like. Well, I feel like they should also forecast. They should know those things, all the, the CVBs. They should say, hey, these policies just came into place or, you know, hey, this the weather condition, you know, yeah. they should know all of that. That's actually what they do in order to. But your to boycott doesn't mean anything unless you're doing it, like it says, in protest. Like, you have to, oh, like, yeah. literally hold up a sign when you're protesting. Because, like, for example, like, I can protest that I don't want to go to work today and just not show up. But. That's not a protest. A protest would be sending a message saying, I'm too lazy to come into work today. I'm not coming or something like that, you know, or like it's like a, a visceral statement, I think, in some ways. If you want to do that, I know, actually know the CEO of. Um, yeah, he, he <laughs> won't e -E, mind. I can put in a, a good word for I you. They have unlimited vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that if you're a political organization or, or if, if your your organization has a, a political bend to it, and, and honestly, at this point in the game, what event, what group isn't, uh, then it's that uh, you probably do make it known at least to your constituents. Now, is that a protest as such? Uh, or a boycott as such, uh, I I don't know uh, by that definition. I mean, I suppose uh, it has the implications of uh, you know rallying your your community to be, do less with that as well. Uh, so there's potential increased uh, you know exponential uh, changes that could be made in that. Um, I guess it just depends. You know, like if, like I said, like in my example of like the anime conference, like they you know it, they put something out. Uh, to that they're not going to do it. It's kind of like, uh, all right, I don't really quite understand that, like how much impact it's going to have. But other organizations, if it's medical, then the other organizations might get that same idea within their sphere, and it causes a chain reaction. Like it, the the real difference that you can make is not one of what you do, but it's the example that you set that inspires others, and that's what creates like mm-hmm. a movement, and that's what boycotts generally are: is movements, not solitary uh statements (laughs) correct which is more of a you know just a a decision making it it ceases to be just a decision making it becomes something that is more impactful and more community centric when you when your actions inspire the actions of others uh so i mean that requires a little bit of strategy because that and and work therefore you'd have to basically want to do that and like who has time for that the answer is an organization that has that as the mandate of what they're trying to do. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't have time for that. You know, the animated mm-hmm. convention doesn't have time for that, but the medical convention might, you know, because they're fighting a battle that this is part of. Uh, I guess the question of it is, does it make sense uh, to engage with those people? And I don't know how you do that, like as an as an organizer, like to have these dialogues, like with whom, you know, like are you are you going to interface with policymakers is there an ultimatum that you can give uh that would actually create change uh and you know i don't know if you can do that is the only change that you can do one of economic signaling and potential um you know pr noise that you can make that could create um a domino effect of others following your in your steps to me that's probably the only real opportunity you could have because other than that it's really just especially at the highest level of these things it's just the voters right so like the voters could feel economic pressure and and then you know they could go to the the publications uh, of record within those cities and say like hey we uh we declined to do business in your city uh and our general economic uh impact within cities that we are in is x amount of dollars uh, you know, consider and try to find out other organizations that have made these types of decisions. If it were really your mandate to make change, you know, within the sphere that this is part of the change that you're trying to make because it speaks to your organizing principles, then you probably go that route and you'd actually mm-hmm. create some change. Well, I think you brought up a good point too, that like for me, like it's also about size, like in the type of event like most people don't know our industry exists they don't like most people don't know that there's totally. literally an industry around planning conferences and big global events and all these things like that right like when you tell people like they do it they usually relate it back to like oh well i go to a medical conference every year or whatever it may be i think it's also about size too because like you know at some point too like let's be honest like if your event's really really small and you boycott it chances are there's another event of someone's side who actually might actively trying to go there like you know um 
I guess I'll use this as a very, very vague example, so I apologize. But like, let's say, for example, you're deciding to like not go to Texas because of an abortion law. I'm sure there is a group that is also for uh, for, for uh, opposed to abortions, and they're going to end up going to Texas because of that, and almost like net neutral it in in dollar amounts. But like, if for example, if San Diego Comic Con that happens in San Diego said we are not doing our event this year in San Diego. We're going to do it in Vegas because of this law or whatever it is. That might be like significant enough to be like, whoa, A, it's size, but also it's like its name is attached to it. But like might actually make some sort of impact. But like I think that in a lot of ways, like most people planning events aren't going to have one that is a large enough impact in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I, I think that the impact of that is less uh, on the uh, the overall like – you know, like you, you're crippling this law, uh, and just in the same way that personal decisions don't necessarily change the entire the entirety of things, uh, but they're principled steps that inspire others. And in that yeah. instance, you have the uh, opportunity to make a huge change, depending on how you make those principles and how you deploy the knowledge of the reason that you made the principles. Like one person, uh, an insignificant volume of people, uh, could still elegantly put forth a case externally uh that uh, of why not to do business in that way that makes an, an absurdly huge uh impact based on inspire the inspiration of others so it, it's possible even with small moves to make huge huge changes yeah okay uh, fair enough and, and but, but but more to the point i think is it's an internal are you are you being true to your organization and that's why like initially attendees. yeah exactly so they you don't you know so they feel as though you are serving them and their mission. That's why I first started this off with, like, I think that if it's a big deal uh, and it's significant, that there should be a level of transparency within the organization as to uh, make it so there's actually an ownership over it. So, for instance, I think that people feel a little stronger towards causes that they had a stake in or they weighed in on. Uh, or they at least understood the uh, the principles being that that their organization is principled. I think those things make people feel, you know, uh, I mean, if you're if you're aligned with them, if you're not, you're not. But you, you're not going to get everybody. But those that do, they're going to feel much stronger t toward the organization and they're going to understand and feel that. I think a lot of decisions are made in the back rooms uh, and they're not uh, they're not they don't bring their organization's uh, attendees in because they fear asking uh getting a response they fear you know a, an organization of uh 1200 when you are you know not 1200 like let's say 3000 and you ask what should we change our name to and everyone responds that's not that's not that's a lot of work <laughs> speaking from experience that was, that was a good reference <laughs> <laughs> speaking of experience when you get like nearly two-thirds of them uh giving you what their answer is uh it's the right thing to do uh you know in a lot of instances but it's a lot of work uh, where benign dictatorships certainly are, are, are they move faster. Uh, but I think for if you're going to make principled decisions, you you, you should involve uh, the entirety of the organization and have internal uh, transparency and internal dialogue. So I, I know this whole thing about like you should have a dot, you know, you shouldn't boycott because you should use this as an excuse to engage with that leadership. It's like, well, yeah, a dental conference engaging with the senator seems like a bit you know, ridiculous mm -hmm. as far as like the scope of what you're what you're there to do. Uh, however, having dialogue internally about that is interesting and is valuable and it speaks to the heart of what 
you know associations and groups and communities and 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 organizations like this do which is collect people around shared values um you just have to audit those shared values by being transparent yeah i think along those lines i think of associations or any kind of member-based organization on the flip side like yeah we can easily say boycotting this would you know uh uh, reflect our mission and objectives and our values, <clears throat> excuse me. But on the flip side, when you have people who are making donations or paying membership dues, you also have to be a good steward of those dollars. And cancellations come with some hefty, you know, monetary um, damages. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind that it's not, it's never going to be a black and white easy answer. Um, and that's why I think it's easier to me, it's easier to, to do kind of like a ban of going places, because again, once you've written that contract and you start down that pipeline, it's not just about that venue. It's about all those small businesses who were depending upon Oof. that revenue. I've experienced that. As I opposed mean... to, oh, we're not going to go to Arizona because of their laws. Well, no one's out any money at that point no one's out any yeah. expected revenue but, but to your point players. will are we actively communicating that um to these people so that they know that they're missing out on revenue um that they haven't even bid upon so um yeah it's 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 easy to say to virtue signal and like well if i held the purse strings here's what i would do but i mean those that at the top that have those decisions to make i don't envy them because it's real consequences, real people being hurt on both sides of the spectrum. I don't envy them if they employ actual empathy uh, in their decision making. If they don't, I feel, I feel like they move pretty quickly and they don't seem to linger too much because I've experienced those types of leaders who are like, ah, oh, just make a decision. And, you know, that's what I'm brought here to do is make quick decisions. And then there's other people who labor under the weight, the actual weight of those things. Uh, I knew a number of people who worked in uh, Charlotte when the All-Star game was pulled out and that was uh, on the books, you know, like that was it was within, I think, six months of the execution of that. And the thing about those types of experiences, uh, which are very I, I've experienced a number of events like that uh, where they're not um, events that take place within that city uh, annually, or, or they're just kind of a random thing. So be it like I've been in cities with the DNC, the RNC, uh, Super Bowls, and those events are a huge deal because you're actually scaling up business uh, and and putting a lot of resources that you don't normally have for one-off events. Uh, and it's uh, it's really disruptive to have a business plan dedicated to something that you think is going to be you know, two or three hundred percent the amount of business that you do in a given period of time uh, based around a single event. Uh, and it's uh, there's a lot of those small businesses. Now, the economic pressure, you know, the idea of that is, is that it the, the pain points are supposed to spur, you know, people to, uh, you know, go to the go and vote like you don't like this. This is the state you're in. This is the state you've chosen to do business in, you know, so to speak. Um it, I, I used to like I said this at a couple different times when these things have gone down on Facebook. I remember saying something to the effect of it's it's I understand why people are making these decisions, but I always feel bad that it's the event people that take the brunt of it. 
you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I mean, really who is at the, I mean, yeah, hospitality to an extent too, you know, or however you cut those lines, but really disproportionately the people who service events are the ones who uh, get, you know, really hurt on this and they're not the ones, you know, it's, it's, it's the government and it's decision-making, but again, those are all just will of the people and they're within those States. So, um, you know, it's very difficult, you know, like even it, it's much, we had that episode where we talked about Russia and it's like, well, do you fault the Russian people because they haven't ousted this leader? You know, mm-hmm. like they haven't ousted them. They keep them there. Uh, you know, they haven't. Ins- there's no insurrection. Therefore, bombing Russians seems pretty fine with me. Or do you say, you know, like this is an isolated thing. This isn't the will of the people. This is that it's tough. Right. Like, you know, but the only thing that really creates change is pressure and is is discomfort. And unfortunately, discomfort is negative. So, um it's uh, it's one of those things where I, I hate to see the country sort of split down the lines as far as these are the states for these people and these are the states for those people. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like a, the opposite of the work that we do in events where we're trying to figure out how we can bring people together and create bridges and create some kind of shared understanding to at least some base level things. Um, so that's why like it's it's so um antithetical you know to the point of what this article was saying it's it's antithetical to just say i'm going to go away from you and not come together i just don't think this is actually coming together you know like i don't think hosting your event in a state that doesn't share the same values of you is actually an open forum for change you know i really don't i don't think that that's how things work i think that they work through pressure and economic pressure is one of the easiest ways to create change i mean you think about everything that's going on uh, with the uh, politics currently and in its relation to inflation, you can see that like any economic uh, uh, change is tied to leadership uh, and therefore uh, people make decisions accordingly. So it works. It, it's hard to like, I, I don't know of an example of a case study or of anything of saying some organization decided to host their event in a state that they had issues with uh, as a, as a bridge to create dialogue. And then that dialogue created change. Like what's that story, right? Like, give me an example, PCMA of, of this dialogue that you're talking about, uh, that, that has ever happened in an event. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, that, you know, I'll give you those points, but I, I can certainly say that economic pressure has changed laws the other way. I think that's the key is using, if you're using your events for change, and creating dialogue. Are you being purposeful and intentional about that? Are you adding on ways for people to donate to those causes that support the mission and objectives of your organization, even if that's contrary to the laws and what the leaders currently have in place? So are you using your event and finding ways to amplify the voices of those? Um, For example, I was at an event and the the company really is trying to uh, uh, bring to light native voices and uh, indigenous voices and, you know, uh, honoring, not just through land acknowledgements, but really trying to understand how we can be better stewards of the land. Um, And so bringing someone from that tribal community to tell us their take on how we should be, you know, interacting with the land. And that was a way of, not just, you know, 
putting a boilerplate message in an email or printing it on the conference materials, but incorporating it in the content of the event to show, hey, this is something that we believe and we wanna demonstrate it through the ethos of everything that you will see, feel, hear, and do and touch you know, while you're at this event. So it's just, are we creating those moments where not only we have a talking point for our leaders, but we're actually educating, inspiring, and activating change on those things that matter. I love that. Fresh off the dome. Damn. That's great. Well, um, I feel inspired to like go register to vote. Um, I'm in a a new state, so I need to check my, um, I'm registered, but I need to check my polling location and all that stuff. But um, yeah, with that, like everyone register to vote. Look at your local. Your local is probably more important than the national. That's what they say. So look at your local uh, elected officials and your local issues and vote the way you feel led. We will not. uh, We are a nonpartisan (laughs) podcast group. Um, But for the audience, we have a question for you. Would love to hear your take. Um, If any of you have put language into your contracts um, regarding any mm. hot button issues that your organization, it's That's a good. make or break. That 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 issue will be an immediate cancellation. Have any of you put language into your organization's contracts or if you're a third party planner, put it into contracts for your clients? We would love to hear about that. And we would That's love smart. to hear any other questions you have or topics you want us to discuss. So email us. Will, what's the email? Eventbrew at helloendless.com. Yes, we want to hear from you. So email us at eventbrew at helloendless.com. And with that, thank you for joining and see you next week. Bye. 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 Boy, boy, boy. You did great. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.